We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the FFPC. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co host today is Mr. Sean Siegel, who you can follow on Twitter at FF underscore contrarian. The draft is a little bit in the rearview mirror, but it's given us a little bit of time to kind of enjoy it, uh, kind of digest it a little bit. And then today we're going to recap where some of those fantasy relevant players have landed, how that affects their value moving forward. But first up, I guess, Sean, we'll start with the the big, broad, bold question, and that is your thoughts on the NFL draft. Did you think it was good or bad in terms of, uh, you know, fantasy football and our kind of hopes for these players moving forward over the next kind of year or so? Well, a year ago, we were looking at this draft as possibly the draft that got us back going again at the wide receiver position we'd had a number of fantastic running back drafts which really filled out uh, running back at the nfl level and got us you know some some young players for those dynasty teams certainly filled out that first round with a lot of depth uh, in from a redraft perspective and and this was supposed to be the draft that was going to do a little bit of the same thing for wide receiver and yet we're going to go over a couple of drafts that i participated in the other day and in one of them, we had 
four running backs come off the board in the first five picks so that gives you a little bit of a sense i think of of just how poor this draft was for the receivers both in terms of where the top guys landed and just what we discovered about how the nfl actually sees some of the players that maybe dynasty and debbie owners were a little bit higher on yeah, like I think when you look at some of the the players and prospects that we had uh, at Rotoviz, kind of an R rankings pre draft, I think we kind of nailed some of the stuff that the consensus media around the NFL draft mightn't have thought was coming. Particularly in terms of the wide receivers, I know they shook out a little bit different than what we had projected, but I think we were closer than the the consensus overall in terms of you know top wide receivers off the board and such. So there there is a lot of things that I think we we did hit on, but it's going to be interesting as we go through the show. You kind of teased on it that we're going to talk about your piece. We're going to look at those two drafts and then we're going to look a little bit about the piece Blair has done on the site about some deeper running backs that may be value come uh, the NFL season so it's, it's going to be interesting but I thought kind of looking at it that, that what you had on in terms of the drafts with the the running backs still coming off the board and it was a class that I talked down the running backs quite considerably throughout the whole process so that goes to show just it's a little bit of a one one that laid a, a little bit of a downer on it for me overall I wasn't that excited about the draft but you always hope that some players will have some landing spots that really spring them into life but we'll talk about that as we go forward here I think I think there was some of those that kind of dampened my expectations on those players as well. And I guess without waiting any longer, we'll jump straight into the, the second quarter to get the show on the road. So, Sean, the first thing we're going to look at here is the, the piece you had up, and I really enjoyed going through this. It kind of was a, a breakdown of kind of some early drafts straight after the actual NFL draft in terms of the rookie prospects. And I've already done a couple of uh, rookie drafts in my dynasty league, so it was interesting to look through this. But quite a few of the players uh, at the start of the board, the number one and number two pick overall, were the same on both drafts. And that was kind of those, those some of the picks that led to being the same. The third pick also the same in Miles Sanders, and then it kind of started to separate after that. But with how how these drafts went in terms of you know what them being expert drafts and you know what the uh, kind of standard of competition that's in it were you surprised at any point in those first three picks uh, how did you think they they shook out in general did you think it was kind of what you would have expected it's always a little bit format dependent one of the reasons why i liked looking at this draft which had uh, two conferences so you can look at the same format see where players are going know it's different in player valuations as opposed to just difference in the format if you load up our new uh, repurposed dynasty adp tool you can look at the ffpc adp and mfl adp kind of compare and contrast in the early expert drafts or i mean the early drafts that are taking place there and one of the interesting things ffpc tends to be a little bit more running back heavy and so not surprisingly josh jacobs was the number one player in their format just a handful of drafts going so far on mfl Nikhil harry is the number one guy and that contrast i think is interesting because in our staff rankings all six of our dynasty rankers had harry number one jacobs was number two but none of our rankers actually had him number two he was sort of three across the board and because he didn't have those low ranks pulling his average down he comes in at number two but but none of our individual rankers would even have been willing to take him as the number two player so it was interesting that in this early draft i participated in jacobs was the first guy in both conferences come up if you're in a balanced sort of draft so you're league settings are not pushing you to take a wide receiver they're not pushing you to take a running back you're really looking at the best player between those two guys where would you be going here 
uh, between Harry and between Jacobs. Is that is that the two I'm given the option of? Right. Do you have a you have a third player you want to jump in there? You want to go for Sanders? Yeah, I, I would probably it'll be between for me. You know, Jacobs has fallen to a great spot, and then obviously it's a situation where Crowell has also gone out with a season and an injury, which has obviously helped him there as well. But in terms of where we were pre-draft, there was expectations he may go at that you know first running back off the board but it wasn't a player who i was excited about it wasn't a player who i was going to target after the draft and out of the running backs he's probably fallen into one of the better situations but in terms of the player and what i expect him to do in the nfl what i can expect the raiders to do as an offense as well i am not all that interested in jacobs especially from a long-term perspective um you know i, I would be going usually i'd be going straight for the, the wide receiver right in terms of uh, a dynasty league at that point um you know and I, I would be going towards harry um we did talk about him on a couple of shows before the draft and i think he kind of projects to have some interesting comparisons and you know it could be a boomer bus pick but i think the the upside is there for him if i had to go running back i'd be going for for sanders based on just he has a, a better athletic profile overall than what we see with Jacobs. Um, I, I would be going for one of those. But I, I tend in Dynasty, and I've said this quite a few times, I, I tend to go heavy at the wide receiver position uh, You know, p- for the long-term value off those players as well. And, and I would be going Harry at this point out of the, those top three picks, uh, followed by Sanders. And if I had to then followed by Jacobs, um, w- would, you, would you be going with uh, Sanders over Jacobs at this point? I would, and and that is something that I'll make an adjustment in my rankings next time. I've got those two guys basically identical in terms of where I would have them. The thing that I noted here, again, you can use the, the ADP tool to look back in some of the previous seasons with those MFL drafts, which is really cool. You look at the, the 2018 draft and see Carrion Johnson going off the board at 109. I think that if Jacobs had been available in last year's draft he would be the ninth running back selected right so we're currently looking at the 101 in a lot of drafts being someone who would have been the 110 range in 2018 and that gives you a little bit of sense of what this this draft really is and so i think when you're looking at jacobs you're looking at harry where would you have harry compared to dj moore calvin ridley some of those kinds of guys and in this draft i think already looks very similar to last year's draft where if we were to redraft the 2018 draft then obviously saquon barkley comes in at the top there's no one anywhere close to him in that draft obviously in this draft but then it gets a little bit tricky because we have some guys like nick chubb sony michelle interesting players who do project well in the future although at this point they both have a lot of competition but dj moore is a guy i tried to make sure i picked up everywhere last year because he was fairly inexpensive he had a fantastic projection according to our metrics and at this point i have him in almost every league and he is the guy that i get trade offers for almost daily right so you know all of these leagues 20 25 players and it's always dj moore that I have coming in DJ Moore, DJ Moore. And I think that gives you a little bit of a sense of where some of those wide receivers would be now. DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, if that draft was done again, I think you could slot them in as high as 102, 103. And we may be seeing a similar phenomenon in this draft. So when I get all of those offers for more, I turn them around and I try to target Harry Plus. And the reason that I do that is because 
this is a good landing spot. We talked last show on how Tyler Lochner had put out this great article about the Patriots offense, what they were going to be without Rob Gronkowski. And even though obviously Harry is not going to play tight end, he is going to go in and try and replace some of that receiving production, some of the ability to challenge the defense. And I think the interesting thing is here that the Patriots have this long track record of being an elite offense, but almost as long as that, they have a track record for reaching in the draft for players who were not good college players, right? And we actually see this quite a bit with some of the wide receivers who were taken uh, in between some of our favorites, and then some of the guys who went off a little bit later. But the Patriots took all of these guys, almost all of their young players busted, and their wide receiver production has essentially come from players who were free agents they signed or someone you know like an Edelman who you know really worked his way uh, through a, a long progression on that team to get where he is now. So I, I think the idea of being in New England is exciting, but we don't know how much longer Tom Brady's going to play. We don't know how a rookie handles this offense. I think the real difference, though, is that this is the first time the Patriots have actually taken a college star as opposed to making a big reach. You talked about some of the comparisons. You load up the box score scout. The names that jump out to you there are Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, Michael Thomas. Uh, he's basically a bigger, more productive Juju Smith-Schuster right so when you talk about that kind of guy you put him with the patriots i really think he's the one player to get very excited about in this draft yeah and i i agree for all the, the reasons you mentioned it was you know we talked about it in the last show about how this offense would change for the patriots and i just don't know a wide receiver going in there if it's going to be the way it changes that mix in him into a fantasy relevant player as a rookie and then moving forward and again we don't know what the situation is after you know one year two years with tom brady so the one thing that i was hoping for somebody like harry was they would he mightn't have fitted in in terms of his career as good a landing spot but i was hoping that he would have found somewhere where he was kind of in a team that was going to need to score because i think he can put up production but i think in the patriots we might see a situation where he's just a piece in that offense but long term there is a huge amount of potential and i would be looking at him at that first pick in terms of the rookies uh when we move down then and look through some of the other players at 104 was uh, aj brown uh, then it was david montgomery in the second draft uh, then at 105 david montgomery and Darren henderson when they're split across the drafts and we kind of see a drop off in terms of what people think of uh, aj brown we talked about him before the draft there's kind of a a chalk and cheese you either love him or you hate him at this point and uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does long term but going to that offense um you know going to an offense which i don't expect to have a huge amount of passing success and he was on the board when the packers were picking uh, with their first round picks and i was just hoping that the, they were going to skip on him i had seen rumors that they might have been interested so thankfully the packers did pass uh, at that point but what do you think then off brown and his landing spot moving forward is he somebody who is there an interest for you in 2019 and beyond for him well brown was easily the most controversial rookie in our staff rankings four of our six rankers had him as the number two overall player but the other two uh curtis patrick and tj calkins have him as a sort of a borderline first rounder i think both of those perspectives make a lot of sense right brown is someone who trailed harry by a very small margin in terms of how we saw him as a prospect you know he has the size he has the production uh the experience adjusted production all of those things that you look for and yet 
going to the Titans is definitely not the ideal situation. You mentioned the passing offense. They were dead last in expected fantasy points to the wide receiver position with only 24.8 per game. And to put that in context a little bit, the Steelers averaged almost twice that many. So you're talking about an offense that does not have a lot of points to go to the wide receivers in the first place. Then we have Derrick Henry's late season explosion. Certainly you expect the Titans to come out next year and try and really establish him even to the detriment of their offensive efficiency. And then you've got this weird depth chart where Corey Davis actually maybe a little better than people realized last year scored 186 points but still a clear disappointment and then you have marcus mariota with the different injuries so you put him in this offense where not a lot of volume to go around at least yet i think the selection hints at them actually being willing to build a dominant offense to move in the direction of Mariota actually developing that they're not completely capitulating on this idea of having a good offense to go with their defense that they're not just going to be Derrick Henry but certainly there are a lot of questions there and you have to have a little bit of faith to see both Brown and Davis emerging as opposed to cannibalizing each other yeah and and when you know I, I think probably three four years ago i don't know if there was anybody who was a bigger bigger marcus mario had a truther than myself i still have him in a lot of my dynasty rosters but in terms of this offense it has been one of the ones where i've had expectations over the last kind of three years and it's never developed and you know Corey davis came in i had high hopes for davis and he i actually think davis has as you mentioned been better than some people might have expected or have thought he has actually been but in terms of mariota he just has never taken that next step to step forward and push ahead um and i'm starting to run out of um, you know belief that that's actually going to happen so i think this offense um you know could continue to have have some struggles uh, the player that was drafted in that same spot uh, in the other league was david montgomery um, montgomery somebody who i have actually picked up in a couple of my dynasty leagues just based on a, a lot of leagues i was picking and were kind of a little bit later than this kind of in the 107 108 range um and i have uh, picked him up in a couple of those but what did you make of uh, his landing spot and then at that kind of 104 105 spot is that somewhere where you would actually be interested in taking them as i mentioned i did i did pull the trigger but it was uh two or three spots later well montgomery just went off the board at 103 in the hyperactive draft that i'm i'm monitoring i, I have to figure out a way to trade in to make some picks <laughs> in that draft uh, montgomery i think he's in this tricky situation right where he's a third round pick he's not a particularly good athlete and we know that people can get overly excited about players being drafted in that area we know that big time athleticism much more even than at the wide receiver position uh, although you know perhaps it's a little counterintuitive that running backs need that athleticism and so you know anytime there's a guy who for whatever reason starts to generate some enthusiasm then and this is a little bit the same argument that's being made for jacobs because jacobs especially at his first pro day did not perform as an nfl athlete and so you start to get these kareem hunt sorts of comparisons a little bit you know a few years ago it would have been arian foster everyone would have pointed to and so it's not that there aren't players out there who tested poorly and then became strong nfl players but the numbers are against you you know, if you're trying to pick the next Arian Foster, if you're trying to pick the, the next Devontae Freeman, that's a lot more difficult than simply picking, you know, the next Nick Chubb or the next Sonny Michelle, you know, much less, obviously, the next Saquon Barkley. And so, you know, we go in and say, well, why is Kareem Hunt so good? And, and he's got that 
elite uh, ability to maintain balance through contact. And, you know, you would see that play after play with him in Kansas City. But the other part of that is that Kansas City put him in this fantastic situation to score points because of Andy Reid, how well schemed that offense is, and then certainly this last year with Patrick Mahomes and how many points they score. So I think if you're going to pick Montgomery this early, you have to believe basically three things. One, that some of those numbers with the broken tackles are going to be more important than the athleticism. So you essentially have to believe that he's good, which, you know, that's that's not a surprise for people being picked up that high. <laughs> but you also have to believe that the Chicago Bears offense in general is going to continue to develop and put him in that position to score that many points. But third, you have to believe that he's going to use some of that pass catching ability that he displayed in college to take a chunk of the receiving value from Tariq Cohen. I think that might be the hardest one of all because again, you know, we look at a lot of the metrics that sort of coincide and we see that this lateral agility the athletic explosiveness of some of these space backs is very very high you look at at cohen and he is a fantastic athlete right so with montgomery the bears have talked a lot about how they want to have that three down back they want to be able to leave him on the field they don't want to have to put in particular players and packages in order to run their full offense so the narrative very strongly backs up the selection of Montgomery here. I just have a hard time believing that Cohen, who is such a great receiver, such a fantastic offense, uh, such a fantastic uh, player, in ter- such a <laughs> I have a hard time believing that Tarek Cohen, who's such a fantastic athlete, is going to be taken out of his big role in this offense. And unless that happens, the path to the number of fantasy points people are expecting from Montgomery, it, it's very difficult yeah and I, I think it's more of a like i obviously mentioned there was a couple of picks later but also it was more a pick based on you know there is a, a smaller committee there even if it is a committee situation and you know as you mentioned with cohen he's somebody i'm still trying to snap up anywhere that i can so it, it is going to be an interesting one i don't think i think people are over expecting on what montgomery's going to do but uh, i think even with uh, jacobs as well i probably would have him closer to jacobs than uh, most people would um you know in this TJ Hawkinson was the the next off the board. He obviously was the tight end that was taken very early in the draft, top 10 pick by the Lions. And we know that they had taken Eric Ebron in a similar spot a couple of years back. But I tend to, to wait kind of a couple of years in before I, I try and target tight ends, maybe year, year three, year four. But these are two two guys we're going to be talking about in Noah Fant and also in TJ Hawkinson who are you know impressive at the position coming off the the same the same team uh from a college production standpoint um but it's going to be interesting to see obviously the lions have thought a lot about the pick and hawkinson and have taken them as high as they did i thought there was other pressing needs for them but tight end certainly was one of those um in terms of a, a fantasy prospect heading into year one do you think hawkinson can kind of bridge that gap that i mentioned in terms of uh getting in and having an impact straight away or do you think it might take some time for that to develop into fantasy points it's always tricky with the tight ends and there's this reluctance to grab the tight ends in rookie drafts because in so many leagues you only have to play one it's a lower scoring position so you might be reluctant to use these guys in your flex position and then as you mentioned tight end takes a little bit longer to develop so you're not going to get that instant impact and i think so many of us feel like especially if you're talking about first round 
that we're one player away. If you can get that guy who makes an impact, then you move from maybe you lost the championship game last year, and now this impact player is going to give you the dominant team. The problem there for me is that Hawkinson and Noah Fant are the second and third best prospects in this draft. We have the elite receiver we talked about. We have no elite running backs. Both of these guys have fantastic projections in the box score scout. We look at Fant a little bit, and his top guys are George Kittle, David Njoku, uh, Travis Kelsey. You've got this out-of-this-world athleticism where you have a, a 249-pounder who turned in a, a 4.540 at 39-and-a-half-inch vertical. He's got that 6.83 cone, which is quicker than almost all of the running backs and and he was a good player now hawkinson is interesting too because he's this blocking tight end and we know the lions are expecting him to play almost all of the snaps to really open up their offense in both the run game and in the passing game and despite the fact that fant put up some huge receiving numbers scored a bunch of touchdowns hawkinson actually was the better receiver in some of the key categories including having 26 percent of iowa's receiving yardage last year so Maybe the most impressive thing is that these college teammates at a position that can be difficult to put up college numbers, they both did it as college players. So they have the the comps, they have the draft position, they have the production. And so you put all those things together, and I think these are more your can't-miss types of players who you might want to really target in a rookie draft even if you have to to be patient. So many of the other prospects, you really have to take a leap of faith. You have to buy what the team is telling you. And and that's less the case for these tight ends. Uh, It it was tricky for me to to slot them in my own rankings. Now, I don't have them as the number two and three prospects for some of the reasons that we mentioned with having to be patient, the tight end position maybe not being quite as important. But I do have them above ADP. The other interesting thing here is Hawkinson making that jump ahead of Fant both in this draft and in overall ADP. Colm, I know that you are not going to take a tight end in your rookie draft, but if you were forced to pick between them, which guy would you prefer? In terms of the two of them, I think long-term, the the one that's probably going to have the better NFL career is uh, Hawkinson. I think, you know, the reason I don't tend to go for them as rookies is they tend to, a little bit like certain running backs, you'll see that they have struggled in pass protection and things like that. Well, if you come in as a tight end, you have to learn all the pass plays but you also have to learn all the run plays because you're in there as one of the the primary blockers if you're at the end off that line so I think Hawkinson could project to be a little bit more like Rob Gronkowski you know that all-round tight end who can block and then I think if you look at Fant he's more of that you know a a Jordan Reed or a Jimmy Graham type where I think he's probably even better blockers than those two guys already but I think in terms of the athletic profile that you mentioned I think that's where he fits in so I think out of the two of them I I would certainly be looking at, at Hawkinson I think the pick of Hawkinson in the draft put a little bit of pressure then on the pick of Fant because they were so far ahead off the other tight end prospects um, in this draft so I think once one of them went it was always going to put a little bit of a, a bit of pressure to get the second one off the board but I think we could be heading into a, a period here with tight ends where three or four years ago we had a kind of a we were you know recommending just to, to stream the position but I think now we're starting to get to a position where in tr- you know a year or two we might actually have a, a core of maybe 10 guys who we can actually rely on from a fantasy production standpoint so it's gonna be interesting to see how that develops and if that is to be the case I think we'll see these two guys be at the forefront of it so it's gonna be interesting for the tight end position moving forward and um, Sean the other player in this kind of range that we're going to touch on uh, is DK Metcalf obviously landing with the Seahawks and he was somebody who we touched on on the show's 
goes prior to the draft in terms of where we thought he should be slotted in the rankings and he is somebody who we kind of thought that would be lower than expected the kind of mainstream media had kind of him possibly projected as that first wide receiver off the board what's your thoughts on where we're going to see Metcalf and the Seahawks offense I've been very excited this year and uh, this uh, this offseason for uh, all my shares of Tyler Lockett that I've had over the last couple of years what's your thoughts um, on Metcalf can he have a an instant um, kind of impact or do you expect him to have any impact even in the long term with the Seahawks Metcalf is one of those guys where you, you can't help but be pulled in by this superhuman athleticism. At the same time, the only real red flag on the combine was this agility that was quite poor. It was a completely different story than his other athletic marks. And that poor agility played into some of the scouting questions about him in terms of being able to get in and out of his routes and just really if he possesses that ability to make those kinds of cuts and so anytime that you have some of your testing play into already a big weakness that people are pointing out and saying well this explains why he simply wasn't that productive in college we contrast him with aj brown who had all of the things going in his favor and then metcalf started to overshadow him but brown was the much better player right and so metcalf has these production red flags and then this athletic question mark that plays into his scouting criticisms and suddenly there are concerns but we didn't know how the nfl was going to perceive that and unfortunately i think for all of us who were hoping that they might come in on the other side and balance out some of the production concerns that the analysts have they did not right so he falls to the end of the second round there and the seahawks take him it's both an interesting landing spot and a scary one in that if there's a quarterback where it seems like Metcalf would be a good fit with, it's it's maybe someone who is more of a scramble drill quarterback like Russell Wilson, where you kind of beat your guy over the course of the first five seconds and Wilson just, you know, lobs up a Hail Mary to you wherever you've uncovered at that point. At the same time, the Seahawks are not going to have this huge volume passing offense. And so you mentioned Tyler Lockett. The depth chart is not full there with the seahawks uh lockett's going to take some of the value there aren't a lot of other players kind of getting in the way but even with that being the case if your offense is very low volume you know even if you're not splitting it uh, into too many slices the overall pie is just so small and so based on where he went i think that skepticism from nfl gms and then falling into this offense it it does move him down into this range away from the 101 the 102 even at this point it would be difficult to grab him here because there are some more interesting players you know like perhaps a hardman going to the chiefs you know in a pick or two Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and now they've grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. The FFPC have active and competitive leagues, and not a single league has ever folded. So each and every year, that stat gets more and more impressive, but at the moment, it is never having one that has dropped off uh, the map. 
brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now starting at 77 dollars and upwards in standard superflex and best ball formats the ffpc has plenty of other great redraft formats including best balls starting just 35 dollars all the way up to 1250 dollars entry free both slow and live drafts are filling and launching daily head on over to myffpc.com that is myffpc.com the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football this show is presented by sap who am i and how am i feeling i'm clive owen and i'm great thanks what if businesses could really understand how their customers feel it's a thing it's sap experience management for more go to sap.com xm this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. So we touched on AJ Brown already a little bit earlier. We also have Andy Isabella going off at the 109. Uh, I see from your notes that Rich Rebar picked him off the board at that spot. And um, I think, you know, looking at Isabella, he was one of the people who has landed in a spot where I was excited. So if you look at so far the list that we've gone through, this was the first one where I had excitement based on where the player landed. Were you excited with Isabella? Um, are you excited to see what he can do um, coming into the league? This entire offense should be absolutely fantastic. It should be the most fun thing to follow uh, this next season in the NFL. As an Arizona Cardinals fan, so the frequent listeners know the three teams that I follow closely and because I've lived in all of these areas are the Kansas city chiefs, the Detroit lions and the Arizona Cardinals. And they sort of rotate in terms of which one uh, is the most fun. That seems to be the most well-run that kind of thing. Obviously during the Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson eras, there was a lot of enthusiasm for the lions that has almost completely dissipated. Last year was probably the best season that I've experienced with all of the Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Just, what he did was something that Kansas City Chiefs fans are are not, you know, it is associated with other franchises, right? And so Mahomes, you know, even as he now goes through hopefully 10, 15 years of that, it'll never again be quite like 2018 in terms of the unexpectedness of just how out of this world the production was. The Cardinals were the polar opposite of that in 2018. David Johnson was probably the most disappointing player although he he stayed healthy and scored points which is certainly more than you can say for some other players and now we have this air raid offense that the cardinals clearly are dedicated to as we see through this reality draft and there's still a ton of potential for this to fail Right. I was a huge fan of Chip Kelly, the different things that he did. Some of those things worked, some of them didn't. You know, Hopefully at some point he will get another chance, uh, especially if the results in the interim demonstrate that he deserves that. But what the Cardinals are going to do with this young quarterback and then hitting on the this group of young receivers to go with Christian Kirk, to go with Larry Fitzgerald, it should be fantastic to watch, even if it crashes and burns. 
right? And so getting back to this specific player, Isabella is a lot of fun. This is a great value in terms of our rookie rankings. And I think that our rankings and ADP diverge the very most for him. None of our guys have him below number six overall, right? And yet he's being drafted as the number 17 player. And that's post-draft. That's after we saw where he landed and, and the situation there. And so talking a little bit more specifically about him, he has ridiculous production. He had an, almost a 50% dominator rating as a senior, which means he had crazy numbers both in market share of yards and market share of touchdowns. He ran a 4-3-1 at the combine, which actually does make a big difference for smaller receivers. We know he's going to be out, be able to go out there and challenge NFL defensive backs, right? He's not going to be overmatched by going against this level of competition. And as a result of that, we get comps for him like Will Fuller, like Brandon Cooks, like Tyler Lockett. And while those guys haven't necessarily been league winners, you're not going to turn down a Cooks at this spot. Uh, Fuller is somebody, you know, we're always trying to acquire because if he could ever stay uh, a full healthy season, healthy. <laughs> then, you know, people are going to be talking about, you know, you're not going to turn down a Will Fuller. You already mentioned how you're trying to acquire Tyler Lockett. So there are a few red flags here. And I talk about one big red flag in the article that I think people should be aware of. But big picture, you know, we love this selection. Then when we look on uh, down, we're looking first quarterback. Obviously, it is the rookie quarterback that we would be expecting. I mean, a Kyler Murray coming off the board and Marquise Brown. Um, what what's your thoughts um, on Marquise? I see you have him, you know, with a quite a high projection. Um, is he somebody at this you think is a value? Yeah, so he comes out with a good projection when you look at his draft slot and you look at his different production metrics. Obviously, the big stain that he carries now in terms of all of these drafts is going to the Baltimore Ravens and a team that is right there with the Titans in terms of expected points to wide receivers. And then even worse than the Titans, they were an absolute train wreck in terms of efficiency as well. So they massively underperformed what was already a terrible volume situation. And so throwing it back to you, what do you see for the Ravens this next season. I think that, you know, just purely as a fantasy asset, people are very excited about Lamar Jackson. And I think as a reality quarterback who can get the Ravens, you know, at least back into the playoffs, sort of a high floor, people have excitement there. But is this a, a possible situation where everyone is is far too worried, far too conservative that the Ravens actually break out and this offense functions fairly well in the passing game as well? I can't see. I can't say that I'm on the the people that are expecting it to break out anyway. Uh, in terms of you know the the passing game, I had concerns last year. I mentioned it as well with the Bills and Josh Allen, and you know the lack of upside in terms of the passing game there with his accuracy. But I have to say, in terms of what I expect the both of those offenses to do this year i expect the bills to be a better passing offense and obviously uh john brown's coming from the bill or sorry cu- coming from uh, baltimore to buffalo so we'll see how that transition happens but you know when it went in last year john brown was having quite a good season i was heavily invested in him but when we look at what happened after flacco went out it was just pretty much a non-existent passing game the real flash that we've seen in the passing game was kind of a, a late fourth quarter flurry against the chargers where crabtree caught two touchdowns in the playoffs and outside of that we didn't really see much in the passing game from uh, lamar jackson so i think it'll be similar i don't expect that to be something where we see him you know dropping back a lot of times i would probably put it as you know 
his projections for over under in terms of pass attempts is going to be probably the lowest in the league in my opinion and obviously that leads to a less chance for somebody like Marquise Brown to be able to to have production and the other thing I, I still have concerns about his size coming coming into the league so that that's the other part that I've concerned but I, I just really think that outside of the running back room and we've talked about Mark Ingram on the show at length over the last year uh, it's very hard to have a huge amount of positives in this I think I'd be looking at uh, possibly Jackson in terms of his, his running production that would be the area that I would be looking for in this offense I can't see myself investing too much uh, all around in the Baltimore Ravens this year as we move to the next pick we find one of the sort of strange areas of agreement where at the 111 both drafts had Paris Campbell now he led the Buckeyes in receiving as a senior but never officially broke out according to our definition which we've tested for uh, predictiveness and that kind of thing and so late breakouts non-breakouts they tend to underperform their draft position by a wide margin and I mentioned that simply because it's not that Paris Campbell now can't be good right but simply that if you're drafting him solely because of this draft slot that's a little bit of a concern you need to know what the more reasonable expectation is based on the combination of his production in his draft slot the other thing that people really like about his landing is that he gets to go and be that weapon for andrew luck and so you get in this offense you get andrew luck unlike a tom brady luck is going to be there for the long term you know campbell could play most of his career with luck and so I, I think people are very excited about that and in most cases we would say this is justifiable one of the small concerns i would have here is that the colts have actually tried this before where they drafted these really intriguing hyper athletic players with the idea that luck could unlock some of that lack of production that we saw from the player in college but for philip dorsett for dante moncrief that didn't work now that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't work this time you know these are these are different players but it does illustrate for us that perhaps there's a little bit of a trap in simply expecting someone to go into this offense with a good quarterback and do something different than what they did in college are are you more excited about andrew luck in this situation or do you consider this to be a trap for people who maybe are now going to reach a little bit on campbell this was a pick that i from like a the colts perspective from an nfl perspective i thought was a really good pick i thought it fits the offense very well for what they would need and you know if i look at it though i'm looking at him as probably the fourth uh choice in terms of a, a wide receiver or a tight end who's gonna be catching the ball and then of course you know they have running backs who can catch the ball as well so it's going to be a situation where he could potentially be fifth or sixth in terms of the pecking order for uh, pass catchers obviously if ty hilton eric ebron and i've been uh snapping up Devin Funches in a couple of spots uh, recently so I have the three of them ahead of him and then you know it kind of can break down after that to see how it how it goes in terms of the the running back pecking order but I think as a NFL move it's a, a fantastic move I think it helps Andrew Luck it's going to improve this offense but the part that I don't think it does is people just as- associate him coming into this offense to lead to fantasy points I think he'll have weekly spikes where he has maybe two or three big weeks over the course of a a 16 game season but i don't expect him to be a a week in week out somebody who you could slot into your fantasy lineups that's the way i expect it to go i think uh, it'll be very good for the colts but i don't think it'll be very good for fantasy owners in terms of what he can do in 2019 on this roster well we move to 
112. And we see a similar agreement there where JJR Siegel Whiteside is selected in both drafts. Compare what you see as the way that he slots into his new offense with what you just mentioned for Campbell. It's, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm more excited about Campbell in terms of how he's going to do it, you know, when we move forward. He, he is somebody who I was excited about in terms of Campbell and where his landing spot was, and I think it's just a, a good landing spot for him. When we look at Ortega Whiteside, I think it's one of those ones where he's, he's coming in um, to the Eagles, and there's not there is an opportunity there for him but i think again it's gonna be hard for him to force his way in to be a, an instant starter coming into you know season one and 2019 i think he's more of a long-term play i think in you know a, a year to two years we might see something develop so i think he's a, one of those players if you'd had to draft him if he's there at that pick you can draft him but i think he's more of a hold rather than a, a player that you're going to be excited about and trying to fit him into your lineups this year is he somebody who you think can have that instant impact does he somebody who excites you i just think he's somebody who is going to be more of a role player when it comes to the nfl level it depends a lot on how the eagles decide to run this offense and then within that context we'll get a sense of if he can truly break out if he's going to get that opportunity or remains a role player like you mentioned one of the reasons why i like targeting him here is that i have not been a strong believer in Alshon Jeffrey for several seasons. We've seen some injury issues and then we've seen his level of play drop. And I think there have been a lot of excuses and explanations for why that drop doesn't necessarily mean that he's done. But in the same way that a Nelson Aguilar is not a true hurdle, I don't believe Alshon Jeffrey is either. Once you start to see these veterans have some injury issues, see their production start to drop it's just a matter of time until the team replaces them with a new exciting young talent it's one of the things that we see all the time with the way that players move throughout their careers and what we see in terms of dynasty trade values illustrate this very clearly and so i think there's an opportunity here the three top prospects that pop up for him in the box score scouter Cortland sutton deandre hopkins mike evans which very exciting i think probably exaggerates his situation slightly the fourth that pops up is leonte carew which helps you bring a little bit more uh, realism back into the equation certainly have that red flag there of, of understanding that okay this this profile doesn't have to be a sure thing doesn't have to be a home run but this is another player where in our staff rankings we have him higher than this slot yeah and the other part of it that you mentioned i kind of mentioned you know a year or two down the line and maybe i'm being a little bit harsh and send the, the role player comment but you know if you look at jeffrey and you look at deshaun jackson outside of injuries i still would expect them to be the the number one and number two wide receivers in this team this year but you know both of those are, are getting up there in terms of age and the nfl so uh, we could see it you know sort of a year or two down the line and it might it might click into gear from then but i just it might be hard i should if, if he does pass Aguilar, it might be tough uh, in 2019 for him to get a solid role but uh that there's kind of the the first uh, round of those two expert leagues run through so we're going to look a little bit now at some sleepers that we could get for you in 2019 so i always say every time we have an article up on the site by blair andrews um it's obviously something that's worth reading and he looks at four sleepers to watch um you know as we head into the 2019 season with the backfield dominator ratings uh, who who uh, anyone here catch your eye that you know you're you're interested in trying to to see where they're going to be come come september where we could try and pick them up yeah i think so and first just a little bit of a mention of what blair is trying to do here he's essentially adjusting 
running back performance for a collegiate scheme, finding players who maybe are not seen as receiving threats, but their offense just didn't use the running back in that position. He mentions that Darren Sproles caught fewer than one and a half passes per game at Kansas State, but in the NFL, obviously, he's amassed more than 70 receptions and 600 yards in three separate seasons. Now, he didn't put up big numbers at Kansas State, but he accounted for 100% of the receiving production that the running back position had within that offense. And so it gives you a little bit of a window into maybe some of these guys who are undervalued from a production perspective, undervalued from a receiving perspective. And since we're talking about this, I think that we have to also mention that Blair's number one guy last year and someone that he mentioned on numerous occasions that we talked about on the pod was Philip Lindsay. And so if you read this article last year and made just a note that maybe not even to draft Lindsay, but to have him on your watch list and have him be one of those first guys that you added, then you may have simply won your league just because of that pick. You know, we're going to go through who we have as our top scoring rookie here in overtime and Lindsay was actually the the number two rookie for for 29 for 2018 which gives a sense of just how much value you would get you know if you made that selection and so i think with that as the background then when we look at a couple of these guys here they become very very interesting and perhaps the first one is someone who has fallen in the reality draft is definitely falling in all of the rookie drafts that I'm seeing, and that's Travion Williams. Uh, obviously a big-time star there at Texas A&M. Is he a guy that you liked previously? And then knowing that he put up a good 40 but had some bad peripherals in the athletic testing, knowing that the NFL has some skepticism, still a guy that you'd be looking at especially so cheap? especially at the value because i you know i talk about it and talk about it and talk about it but i i always uh put my weighted value in terms of you know draft picks and you know uh, any any kind of capital like that into the wide receiver position in general and then obviously that leads to me trying to be picking up some of the scraps then at the running back position uh somebody at this value i think is very interesting and you know if you look at the college uh production in terms of his percentages uh strong across the board i think he's somebody who's going to be very interesting when you look look at as well the situation he's going into I, I i think there's a chance for him to to get more work than people are expecting and you know we always see running backs getting injured i don't even think it'll take an injury for him to get you know uh, kind of a 20 or to 30 percent share in this backfield and with his production in the past i think he can lead it into you know eventually establishing a more uh, you know prominent role in that backfield as well so he is somebody i'm still still very interested in um even even with those measurables now he was the number two back in the backfield dominator ratings the number one and number three were both undrafted free agents which would put them in that Lindsay category and they were patrick laird out of california and nico evans out of wyoming laird is interesting because he was a big time receiver there and now goes to a miami team that really essentially has nothing at the running back position uh you know if you were a kenyan drake owner like me last year and tried to figure <laughs> out how to play that then i think you've got yeah. some some skepticism about him even with what hopefully is a better opportunity coming forward into this next year nico evans is a guy who devin mcintyre has written some cool stuff about and is very high on so i encourage you to check that out find out the details there and then the number four player and again this is a, a blair andrews special someone that he notes uh, he has been drafting and, and is the only person kind of popping up in the different ADP tools as having 
taken him is Raquel Armstead, who went to the Jacksonville Jaguars and now sits on a depth chart that is very empty after Leonard Fournette, who we know has had some problems. Now, Armstead, not just a star in this metric, but he was the top running back in the class, according to the running back prospect lab, uh, four, you know, a four, four, five, 40 at 220 pounds. And so you're talking about a potential three down back in an offense where the starter uh, maybe has has some question marks certainly has not been reliable it, is that someone who again you know very cheap player to add you're looking at you know late third round you know is is he on your must draft list late <laughs> he sure is let me just take you through uh, that depth chart that you mentioned so we have uh, we have benny cunningham coming in so um obviously i don't think it'll take too much to skip past benny and then we have thomas rawls who as an undrafted free agent uh, with seattle had a couple of big games but obviously he's had a lot of injuries since that then we have alfred blue uh, coming over from from houston so blue has had some games where he's been able to, to put up fantasy points but you know if you're looking at those they're, they're more journeymen in terms of their their prospects um, i think coming in as a rookie there's a, a real chance for him to get involved and you mentioned uh, you know farnett there is issues there definitely in terms of off the field as well as on the field um from a disciplinary point of view last year and obviously injuries have been uh, quite uh, consistent for him as well so armstead at that value you, you've had on two of the guys that i'm interested in and out of those two because of the value as well i think um armstead is somebody who has, is very very interesting the other the other uh, two players i mentioned dave montgomery um who we talked about earlier and he's in this list as well but the other one that i've picked up a little bit or quite a bit later in a couple of uh, the dynasty drafts kind of late second early third round is benny snell and uh, not somebody who i'm hugely excited about but he's somebody who i've ended up you know, I, I was trying to trade away the picks if, I, if I'm 100 honest, but couldn't get them moved for a for a value. So I've, I've ended up with them on a couple of rosters. But I think looking at the, that Pittsburgh um, depth chart as well, and Pittsburgh have tended to go with a solitary running back and just go with that guy um, at all times. But with no Le'Veon Bell there now, and James Connors obviously likely to lead the way. What's your thoughts on on Snell? Is he somebody who could have a, an impact for you? He's somebody that I've been trading in for. If if we were to go down through the full second round, I moved up and and or moved in and took him at the two twelve there. For me, he is very very similar to those guys who are being picked in the top five spots who don't have the athleticism to be true NFL stars, but have production that is very very appealing, right? And you look at where he's going to go in what that depth chart looks like you get this big discount because he's obviously not going to be the starter and perhaps there are some questions about this offense in the future roethlisberger won't be around forever you know can they do the same things without antonio brown being the guy that the defense has to pay so much attention to but i think with snell you, you find one of those guys for me who is more likely to be your arian foster type of player where you know doesn't have the tested athleticism to be a clear nfl starter in terms of how you traditionally define that but if given the opportunity could really come in and blow people away he was such a fantastic running back in college and it is surprising in some ways that the people seem to be discounting that so much for reasons that they are not applying to some of the other backs in the class So I guess now, Sean, to wrap it all up and tie a ribbon on it, we're going to go with our highest scoring rookie in 2019. So 
pretty much uh, unless it's unless it's something similar to what you were hinting on um you know with last year and philip Lindsay is probably one of the guys that's on that list of 12 that we talked about out of your section at the start of the show is there anybody who stands out for you as you know you expect him to be that uh, top scoring rookie at the end of 2019 not non-quarterback i may add so we can't we can't pick murray and i think uh it probably would, would not make sense for me to go with bryce love to get a little bit of context for this looking at some of the scores from last year calvin ridley was our top rookie receiver at 209 we have obviously barkley blowing everybody away uh, at 383 but this class as we mentioned doesn't have anything remotely like that the number two back was philip Lindsay at 223 points and then you drop down a couple of spots to nick chubb at 194 we have Michelle who missed some time at 141. And so carry on Johnson again, missed some time 141. And I think the natural gut reaction here is to take one of these running backs who appears to have early opportunity, but we can't forget the fact that, you know, there are going to be some other players they have to deal with on some of these depth charts and that injuries do play a big role for some of these rookie running backs. If you have a wide receiver star, you know the the number of rookie wide receiver breakouts and you know i've had articles on this on the site definitely you know go and check that out if you're interested that number is higher than people think and so i'm gonna go back to the well here and take harry over a couple of those top running backs but certainly you know i, I would not be surprised if if someone like a jacobs even if they wouldn't be my top long-term running back if they ended up being the top guy for this season do you do you like harry or one of these running backs is going to take the spot for you well harry was uh, on the top of my list but i don't want to just go and uh, agree with you sean so i'm going to switch up my second uh, was going to be isabella and i think as you mentioned it will be very exciting to see how this offense does i think it's one of those ones that could be explosive or it could crash and burn very early with the the head coach coming in with the, the young quarterback with so many changes happening in terms of the entire offense uh, as a whole so i think just from an explosive play standpoint i, I can look at um when a rookie's going like if you look at somebody like ridley last year it's going to be a lot of it on big plays and, and touchdowns and i think he probably could lead the way in terms of big plays from rookies um uh in 2019 so i, I think i'll i'll go for him harry was the the safe choice and uh, i was kind of debating whether to go with him or whether to go with kind of a more um you know a more high risk pick so i'm going to go with isabella i'm I'm excited to see what the the cardinals can bring in terms of offense because that offense really really did not impress last year i like that that's a that's sort of a a hail mary selection for a a deep ball uh catcher there with uh it'll be interesting with kirk and, and fitzgerald in place if he can get the the total volume to be in that range but certainly like i mentioned when we were discussing him uh our, our staff rankings love him. Our writers love him. Uh, he is a great value in these rookie drafts. So even if he doesn't quite get the Cullen's projection there, definitely someone you want to go out and get. Absolutely. And uh, I guess uh, we've kind of talked through two of the articles that are up on the site, but as always, uh, we did mention on the last show, the, the kind of, I guess we'll call it the facelift or the renovations to to the site. And I have to say, it's been uh, it's been awesome looking through the articles, everything looking so smooth and um, it just looks fantastic. And as always, for being a listener to the podcast, you can get yourself 30% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. And all you have to do is go to the NFL podcast homepage, which is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. The draft is over, but as 
as we mentioned on the show today, there's lots of information, lots of great content going up, and uh, it really is too good to miss, especially when you're getting that discount as well. So head on over to rotabiz.com forward slash podcast, sign up, get that discount, and get ready for the 2019 season. As, as we mentioned as well, those uh, drafts for Dynasty Leagues are already in full swing, and of course, best ball season is in flow too, so don't miss out. That is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast. And with that, it's going to wrap us up for this edition of the show. We're starting to get closer to where we'll be getting back to one show a week, but we're still at that every second week schedule, but uh, we love bringing the show to you each and every time we have that opportunity. So until we're back with another show my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland sean is on twitter at ff underscore contrarian and until we're back with the next one of course have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz at a 30 percent discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer experience the best of wine country with decoy by duckhorn Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.